Welcome everybody to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host Donovan Beery. Brought back Cody Fenske with us today, and we have we have a couple of special guests. Kathy Solorano, welcome back to the show. Hey, hello. And Carlos Estrada, who AIGA is bringing in to speak tonight. Carlos, how you doing? I'm doing great. What what what's the big talk about? Or in this case, it's it's way in the past. It's probably done four years ago. Who knows? <laughs> no, this is a new talk, new for t- 2017. It's a little bit of my design journey. So it's a design talk with diversity and inclusivity with, within it. And it's just my narrative, which um, I appreciate the platform that um, the AIJ Nebraska is sharing and, and giving to me because I think Chicano voice, the voice of designers of color, which I always like to say LOC, leaders of color, um, we, ha- we have a voice. And so when we get the opportunity to share it, I'm thankful for it. Cool. And- and what, what brought you into, not only into design, but into wanting to promote this voice? <laughs> I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love, <laughs> because of the current climate, I say words, I like words, and you hear my words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I just um, created some fans and some haters. <laughs> Can you ask the question again? Well, we'll start with this. What is it that brought you into design? What, what made you find this profession? So design wasn't really anything that was exposed to me growing up. I went to music school. I went to mission school. And then I ended up, um, I had an amazing time singing many, many places. And I went to Honduras twice for missions and Cuba. And I went to Cuba before Beyonce and Jay-Z. <laughs> and okay. before the Obamas, all right? Okay. So that was the, one of the originals. <laughs> That's right. OG, baby. Okay. <laughs> I don't regret my life choices in music or missions, but it ended up landing me in manufacturing. So I've worked in many assembly lines, making baby foods, making car point, car parts and car mirrors, and always ending up in some type of leadership position, but never getting the training the leaders, but never being a leader, just because I didn't have that completed degree. So I was doing, I've always been into music and I never took art class, but I was doing collages. I was tearing up GQ magazines, a few fashion magazines, tearing type from newspapers and magazines and making my own posters. And I started doing that for a local church and their participation for their college meetings started to increase. And the mentor of mine said, hey, so where'd you get that poster? I'm like, oh, I made it. It's just something I do for fun. And he really just gave me a nudge and the encouragement I needed to pursue art and design school. Something I never considered or even thought was a career option. I'm like, people can live off of this? <laughs> and like, I was just fun, a fun way for me to express myself. And I yeah. thought it was art. I didn't think it was design. Sure, but you were definitely like speaking to an audience that like was totally appropriate, you know, for that style too. It was it like for like people of your age group that at that point in time that you were drawing to these events? Yeah, it was. It was. So everyone was like in their 20s or mid-20s, yeah, approaching their 30s. Like collage aesthetic is totally cool, like for that kind of audience, you know. So <laughs> you didn't even know it, but like you were making something that was totally right for them, you know. Well, collage is for every age group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it really speaks like the Sex Pistols kind of thing. That was like um, really like for the youth back in the time. So like that's, the, that's kind of where it's rooted. So that's kind of where it stays in my mind. But yeah, everybody can love a collage. Well, I, I won't challenge you because I agree. It, <laughs> it, it worked, and it got me to where I am now. And sure. That was just expressing myself like a hobby. And we should probably ask for our audience, what, what area of the country 
of the country you're talking about that you were in because because you're not you're because you're in your visiting so a lot yes. of people, you know so yeah. it's not Omaha obviously. So I'm from Michigan. I was born in Muskegon, raised in Holland, and always working in Grand Rapids and Holland area. Went to school in Grand Rapids, worked in Grand Rapids, and um, now I'm running my own graphic design LLC with clients like Kermit Miller. Okay. And, and I guess the other part of my question then was, and, and I don't know how to quite word this, but, but you mentioned like wanting to get your voice out. Like what was it that made you realize that maybe you needed to get your voice out there to other people? Well, one main thing is, and this happens for um, every race and ethnicity, you know, art is always looked at as a stereotype itself as um, that's something you can't make money from. You're going to be starving if you try to draw or illustrate for a living. And I think that's where it starts. But Nowadays, design is so relevant to every industry in America that um, design can take you into so many different processes for any industry, whether it's tech, engineering, fashion, to shoes, to graphic, to web, to app, apps, to coding. I mean, the list goes on and on. I just think it, being exposed to career options and to where your passions really lie is something that isn't promoted well in the art and design, I don't know, colleges, education system, in families. So uh, I'm going to extend this answer a little bit. So growing up Latino in America, um, a lot of Latinos grew up, um, it's rooted in our culture to be very Catholic, very religious. There's a lot of farming and agriculture and migrants. And um, if you're not working in the fields, then you go into manufacturing and families are really tight. So everyone shares, you know, where the jobs are at. So my parents grew up in similar ways. My dad was kind of an, an entrepreneur and, and uh, working in, in um, with golf and, and manufacturing and cars. And I guess what I'm trying to say is my parents weren't exposed to college. They didn't, they didn't know. My dad didn't even finish high school or, or middle school because he had to help take care of his family sure. when his father left. So. That plays a lot into um, social economics and, and many families in the country. They don't, they're not going to tell their kids, hey, you should go take this, uh, this class at, um, at Yale for the summer or Harvard or just the local university or even the community college. You know, oh, it's cute. My, my son can draw and he loves to color. But what's that going to do? It's not going to put food on the table when it could actually put food on the table for the whole family, the cousins. And the neighborhood, if you do it right. Sure. <laughs> so I guess all I'm trying to say is, um, you know, it's not just Latinos, and it's not just like um, Black and Asians in this country, or any ethnicity, or even um, Native Americans. Conversations with people that are Caucasian that have, in their 30s, pursued design or gone to college just because they had the same experience where they weren't exposed to design being a career. And it's important. I know my voice is important because we're not highlighted, we're not given the platform in the schools. I was talking to a friend, a colleague recently from Baltimore who just got a job at Microsoft. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I won't mention his name. We just met uh, like two weekends, weekends ago and there was an article on Ion Design talking about um, Native American design and colonization of America and why the aesthetic is so European. The other cultures and their art are kind of rejected as not being tasteful or having the aesthetic that's appropriate. And I'm thinking of all the gentrification that's going on in urban areas, and especially like Austin and San Francisco, two cities that are my favorite, and I love them. But those two cities actually have 
the, um, the black population is actually decreasing. And that's a phenomenon because it's not the norm for American cities. Is it decreasing in population or is it a percentage or both? Both. Oh, so, wow, I yeah, mean, that's not normal. Like, it's like ultra gentrification. Yeah. Right? And I'm probably saying that word wrong. I like to say it a lot of different ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're creative people, not word people. Sweet. <laughs> Great. That means we don't have to spell either correctly. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm encouraged by my friend working on a, a piece that maybe I'll put out on Medium. Uh, just, you know, t that talks about the gentrification and colonization of design and what that really means aesthetically. Because, you know, I know there's a lot of marketing machines behind what we do and how articles get printed. And, and I love it. And I don't want to mention, like, some of my favorite magazines, some, the way they promote certain articles. Um, I get it, and it's good. Um, but when certain articles come out, like, ooh, Mexican design is in. I'm like, baby, that's been my whole life. But you know, I'm a trend this week. And I'm like, shoot. I'm like, my uncle showed me this. My, my, it's amazing. Art has thrived in my family on both sides. And that's the thing. We never knew it could take us out of poverty. So my grandmother was an amazing singer. And she grew up making her own clothes. And she rarely ever went to the store to buy it. So she's from like the night. She was born in like 1916. She always had patterns. She always had an eye and made her own clothes her whole life. So I deem her a fashion designer. But besides being a singer, on my mom's side, I had uncles. All, all my uncles on my mom's side are amazing chefs. But I had uncles that were artists and painters. But no one told them they could make a, a, a life from that. So they went into engineering. So he was like the first oh. engineer of the family. He was the first um, college graduate of the family. And my grandfather, he's, he was my best friend. And when I learned more about his history, because he had nine kids back, back in the day, I don't know, 40s and 50s. Yeah, we'd probably take a couple decades to, to rack those up anyway. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, say yeah, 40s yeah, and yeah. 50s, yeah. But, um, and, and I'll make this quick, because um, I love talking about my grandfather. But he was a, a saxophone player and a band leader. And they, they performed all over Michigan and I think Wisconsin. And um, they did um, Tex-Mex, Mexican music, jazz, and swing, because that's what you did when you went to dances back in the day. And so he led his own band on the weekend to make money. Then he cooked on the weekend to make money. And then during the week, we, the factory he worked at, and I won't name their name, he uh, worked with the engineers, even though he wasn't an engineer. When the machines broke down, they went to him of how to get it working again. And um, so he worked very hard, and he still utilized his talents before he passed away, too, he, uh, when he got older, he opened up a, a restaurant. And it would, it would be there till this day, but he, he did get sick. He had an aneurysm. But, um, and he recovered from that. And uh, I, I just, I, I guess you could say he was one of my inspirations when I think about his history, but he didn't have the access. So the other thing for designers and designers of color is that we can give each other, when we get a voice, sometimes that opens doors for us. And... There's a big issue with accessibility, so thank you for even having me on here. This is an unexpected and but awesome surprise. Oh no, this surprise. is this is great. And, and I've, I've been going. We used to, I used to go to AIJ leadership retreats with Kathy years ago, and, and they even talked back then. They they talked about that you know the ideal situation for for our profession is because we're designed supposed to speak, speak to everybody. everybody. Like yeah. there's and and it's hard to do that when not 
everyone is represented in the field. And so they would try to, you know, we'll never get like the exact percentage of every race and every gender lined up exactly with the, the, the population. Right. But it's way off now. And, and, and I know they've been, they've been working on it for years or trying to promote mm-hmm. it. And I don't know if the numbers have moved, but they, I don't think they've moved much. Not like they should have. They haven't moved a ton, but that's why National and having Carlos here to talk about the initiative that they started, what, two years ago now? Almost yeah. three? All right, let's, let's take yeah. a quick break and let's talk about the initiative. No, no, I got the, we, we, I the face. I have the face for radio, so this is all. This is all audio. Welcome back, everyone. So I have the face for magazine, but the body for radio. Nice, nice. Is this being recorded? What's that is. <laughs> Carlos, is, Carlos is a cover model. He is a cover model. That's what model. you're saying. He's cover model. Big, big, big face. Big face right on the cover. All right. What's what's what is the now now Kathy? You're actually you came back to the AIG Nebraska board as the is the director of diversity. Yeah, director of diversity and inclusion. And is that part of the the nationwide initiative you're talking about that actually, AIG has been the, doing? The position is that, that um, I just learned about it this summer, but they've been working at it now for. It'll be three years coming up this summer? Yes, Okay. three years in July. Right, and so I uh, got to meet Carlos when I went down to the um, diversity, what was it? Uh, diversity workshop uh, down in St. Louis with Antoinette and the St. Louis AIJ chapter, I think back in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Carlos and a few others from the National Board, Ovid and, and Jacinda, came also down to kind of talk and then share what, what National was doing, why why they were doing it. And that's the first time I heard about it in terms of an actual board position. Because, you know, back when we were on the board, we didn't have well, that. Well, we only had like <laughs> five six, people. Yeah, yeah. We, we had like a third of the board size that they do now. Right, too. exactly. So, so... So then, Carlos, how did you get involved with the with the national or with your local group on on this initiative? So the great thing is, um, I started participating and volunteering at our, the AIJ West Michigan local chapter uh, a few years back, just because there were events that started attracting me back to um, the AIJ organization with Design for Good and how they reach how the organization was reaching out to the community and bringing in designers I never heard of that uh, just appealed to me and then they opened up a position because they realized that uh, West Michigan chapter at that time I think it was around for maybe seven or eight years fairly brand new very fast growing very vibrant but very white very white male white female and very open to the gay community the LGBTQIAP okay um and but they weren't really um, seeing any growth or change when it come to when it came to ethnicities or race or disabilities, or maybe even you know um, diversity is more than that. But it, it's also but that's where the, the improvements were needed. So they opened up a position that attracted me immediately. I'm like I can do that. Worked with nonprofits profits before. Worked for film festivals. I was at a point in my career where I could take extra time out, and so I applied. And then I was interviewed a few times by the president and vice president, and then I went to a few board meetings, and then they voted, and they said, well, we've accepted your um, your application. If you want it, it's yours. So I took it. And so now I've been back with AIGA West 
the organization and West Michigan uh, for almost three years now. Okay. And then, like Kathy said, in July, I think of 2014, the, the National Diversity and Inclusion Task Force was created. And so uh, I was able to um, get on the original task force with, with many others. And so this July will be three years. And where do people go? Do they just go to the AIJ national website to find out more information? Or do you guys have like a, a different URL that we send people to? to, to no, yeah. If, if they just go to AIJ.org and then in the, the subject or search box, just type in diversity, um, our page will pop up. And there's there's videos now. There's um, You'll find design journeys there. You'll find um, who's on the task force. And, and um, we're, everything's actually being updated right now. So there's a ton of new information links to blog posts and articles. We're really partnering with, with blogs like iDesign, which is known to be part of AIJ, and Design Observer to embed the initiatives in that language to be more inclusive and bring more articles like that are cultural and relevant really for our country. Because, you know, just, just so that the industry can, can become more relevant and accepting and inclusive. Yeah, and I noticed, you, Kathy was mentioning when, before we recorded that, that not only did, are you bringing in here to speak, but they're actually bringing you around to the high school and stuff to, yeah. and I assume that's because cause the outreach isn't just to talk to the designers in the field, but it's to try to get people in the field, obviously. Right. Well, exactly. Like I said before, it's, it's about exposure. If your parents don't know, how are you going to find out? Unless you have a good mentor or someone in your neighborhood or someone where you work or um, an educator. Um, that's going to encourage you to go in that direction because they see your talent. Like I, I, I related to music, and I had a musical background for my family, so I took every single music program that was available to me, but I never took an art program. So, and like I said, it, it, it wasn't an option to me. <laughs> so um, I'm, it's important for me to go to, to K through 12 students because the colleges have already made up their mind. They're either going to invest in students of color or they're not, reach out to them or not, engage with them or not. And um, the only way to help the universities and colleges is to go to the, the schools. Plus, art teachers need help. Um, the schools need help. Any time a nonprofit goes in to help a public school, it's so welcome and the teachers get refreshed and enlightened because they sometimes get in this education bubble and they don't see what's going on in, the, in their backyard with the local businesses. So it creates a new dynamic, not only with the nonprofit AIGA, but also with the partners, the, uh, the sponsors and local businesses. And I think that's what's needed for public schools. My apologies, Betsy, but <laughs> Whoops. that's dangerous to say because I'm from Grand Rapids and that's where the whole family's from, but uh, okay. I'm friends with them, I like them, we work with them, they sponsor us. What? what? <laughs> it's America. <laughs> yeah, but I like those points that they make, though. I feel like it's important that every child feels like they have the opportunity that they want to pursue, like are in front of them and able to be attained by them. I can't imagine what it would be like if I was going to uh, my freshman year of college and not believing that I could go be a designer because it wouldn't you know, be seen as a positive career move by my family or like I wouldn't make enough money. I didn't believe myself for it or like it just wasn't a legitimate career in the first place. Like, I never really had that problem growing up, and I think that any student who, like, thinks that they, sh that they couldn't should be you know, advised by somebody like you, or, like, I think it's just a good, that's a good thing that you do to go to schools and remind them that there are other options besides engineering, you know? 
especially for those creative types. Yeah, and you know, it's I know there are other chapters that do that, and we all have different ways and systems. I, I just want to be an example that people can model and franchise. I'm, I'm not the first one to do it, but I want sure. to encourage it and, and, and push it and give it some momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and a movement like this takes more than one spokesperson. Yeah, yes, right. definitely. And so, so we, we realize you're not the only one talking about this, but but you're one of many, and we need all of them. Right, exactly. Because, I mean, the organization as a whole, all of Nashville, there's how many members that we, are, we were talking about, thousands and thousands, and... To have this uh, initiative started, uh, it's just now starting to gain major traction. It's slowly getting... So, AIGA as a whole is approximately 26,000 members. Okay. And I think right now we're at 70 chapters, maybe 71. I don't have the numbers in front of me. So, in 2014, I believe there were seven positions within local organizations that had either a design chair or I mean excuse me a diversity chair or a diversity lead and maybe one or two that had like actual diversity directors and I think Philadelphia and West Michigan had the first actually directors okay and then chapters task force I believe they looked at them as like diversity people but didn't have an official title within the local chapter so that was the beginning but the great thing is there's been some momentum. It's been two and a half years, but now we have have seven more diversity and inclusion directors, so seven more chapters. So that's at least 14 of 70 chapters. And, you know, we're sitting here with, with Kathy, and she's the new diversity inclusive director for AIJ Nebraska. Yeah, so if you're listening and your chapter doesn't have a diversity one, sign up. Right, exactly. I mean, that's all you have to do. It's all, and I didn't know about it until this summer when I found out. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, that, and that's what I did as soon as I got back home from the St. Louis event and, so and started. I, I tweeted about this last night, and this is an important thing because most uh, designers of color or even people in the diversity inclusive arena aren't possibly given enough platforms to speak on and encourage the movement. I met Kathy in St. Louis, and that's because AIJ West Michigan opened up the position. And so they, they touched a heartstring of mine, something that I could, could thrive at and, and work with and collaborate with others in the community. Then AIJ St. Louis opened the door and said, hey, you know, I worked, um, worked a lot in the past two years with Antoinette D. Carroll, who was the, the president. And when I worked with her, she was vice president of AJ St. Louis, and she runs a creative reaction lab. And she'll also be a guest in April here in Omaha. Yeah. Um, and her, the creative reaction lab has a phenomenal model that works in communities. So it's exciting to know that she's coming next. But also, who, who else do I want to mention? I'm trying to think of my tweet because it kind of, I want to say, it takes relationships, and it takes um, time, and it takes commitment. This doesn't happen overnight. But because of what the work that I did on the task force and with Antoinette and how AIGA National helped us, we spoke at, so when AIGA turned 100 years old, at the leadership retreat in 2015 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we had our first ever diversity and inclusion mini summit. It took 100 years to recognize that graphic design is more than graphic design. Now, now to be fair, it probably took 90 years to figure out graphic design was more than New York. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
<laughs> but, but your words, <laughs> not my words. Okay, let's okay. talk more words. Okay, but 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 yeah, it's ridiculous. It took a hundred years. Right, but at least we did it, and at least we're starting to realize and acknowledge, make new investments, and, and move forward together. So we sh- we shared the stage with some great people from. Um, Herman Miller and formerly um, Cooper Hewitt in New York City, Mayma and Abe, Abe Carrillo from, from Herman Miller, and Steve Frickholm was intended to support it. So when you have someone like Steve Frickholm supporting you in the audience and recognizing and speaking with you before, during, and after, that's encouraging and that's, that's a big deal. And I, I appreciate him a lot for doing that. What I'm trying to say is because people opened up these positions, it's like that old movie, you build it and they'll come. <laughs> right. You know, th- th- there's, there's a draw, and you can draw the right people. And you do have to look for them. And sometimes it's hard work. Or not sometimes. It, it, well, yeah, sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just want to say that I was sharing with Kathy earlier, things like this don't get done by one person. You can't do it alone. You, you have to collaborate with community organizations, with your, with your chapter, with businesses, and also... So what happened, I met Kathy at Antoinette and Timothy's because they're part of AIJ St. Louis leadership. They're the ones that put on the first diversity inclusive conference in St. Louis. Right. And they're the ones that invited all these guests and they gave myself and Jacinda Walker, who's the new chair for the National Task Force of AIJ, a platform to speak on a panel. And that panel has opened the doors for me to be in Omaha now. And so... This is what I'm saying, like, with your podcast, which is an unexpected and welcome surprise. By the way, to the listeners, he has a phenomenal office. It'll blow (laughs) your mind away. He was playing real vinyl from the 80s when I walked in. Or Tone Loke. What? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's relationships. And when you you give the platform, you can build the momentum. I'm only here because I was on that panel last summer. That's correct. And, and, and actually, it's more than that because Kathy had the guts to approach me. She didn't know me. It could have been awkward. It could have been uncomfortable. And I'll, I'll confirm it. It was awkward and it wasn't comfortable. And it still is today, right now, as we do this. That's a joke, people. We're, we're, we're going to take one final break. We'll be right back with Carlos and Kathy. All right, so, so our last question, then I'll go to Kathy. Kathy, what, what for AIJ Nebraska? Where, what, this is the first, like this is the first diversity event this AIJ is, Nebraska has yeah, done. It, this is our inaugural but, element to woo. just about everything. So, so what is what's what? Where does this go from here? Assuming that Carlos doesn't bomb so bad tonight that they just <laughs> shut it down. I don't know. Just Fingers shut it crossed, down. Man, I <laughs> okay, his there. office is really dull. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm 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 pretty sure the event's going to go well. It's going to so. go amazing, and I just I have to to say many kudos to back to Carlos because he's doing a great job of helping mentor and guide not only myself but the AIJ Nebraska chapter as we are starting down this path. This is new to us too. Himself and the knowledge that National is bringing in terms of this whole initiative to bring back here. But as we were talking about that earlier, every cultural place, every city is different. So how in which you decide to impact each area is going to be slightly different. So we we have to take into consideration our population and, you know, uh, our biases and what we do on a daily basis. So that's hopefully what we're starting to do and adapt 
the national initiative to our our location. And a, a part of what he said is it, it's not just one person. It does take a village to accomplish all of that. And I look where we're going to have the event tonight where Carlos is speaking is at the union. And the union was started by, you know, Brigitte. And Brigitte, you know, started in this really cool place that's down in North Omaha. And they just inaugurated their brand new space after two years and we're going to have the very first event in the Wanda Ewing Gallery who you know I love dearly oh, yeah, an artist yeah. who passed away about we, three years we, ago. We all miss Wanda. We all miss Wanda and I am so proud that our event is going to happen in that location that I made sure when I found out that Carlos said he could come that was the number one place I went to. Well because their to mission is very similar. Correct. Yeah, the, the North Ottawa area, like, with that union, is the, the goal is the exact same, except for on a smaller scale, so right. no better place to go. Yeah, so so we're going to have a resurgence in an area that's already been hard at work at trying to revive their whole um, area of town, and so I'm really excited about that. And AIJ Nebraska is taking on our mantra, which is embrace, engage, and empower. And we're going to do that by really, truly taking a look at our world around us and what is going on, what's good, what isn't so good, what can we do to make those changes and do it as, as a community. And so the union has kindly allowed us to come use their space and we're going to have more coming up. Antoinette Carroll, which is, uh, she started Creative Reaction Lab, is the president at uh, the AIJ St. Louis chapter. It's coming in on April 14th mm -hmm. to do a big speaker event and then we are having our very first Omaha Civic Engagement Design-Centered Facilitation Workshop on that Saturday, April 15th. And we're going to invite the community to come be a part of it. So politicians and firefighters and nurses and teachers and then uh, the design community to come together to take a look at our problems and what kinds of solutions we're going to create. Yeah, and, and this is amazing because this is just Omaha. This is just and Omaha. And so if you're listening from somewhere else, there may be something where you're going on that's similar. Right. And if there's not, so maybe... So check out if your local not, AIGA chapter. Make sure your AIGA starts something well, similar. Yeah, you might want to join in and do it. Yeah. So, and then after that, in May, we're going to do the very first Omaha Human Library. UNO has done it on their UNO campus the last couple of years, but we haven't done it citywide yet. And we have now partnered with the Omaha Public Library System, and we will be hosting ours, still trying to decide on a final location and the exact date, but that's coming up. And then, like what Carlos was saying in terms of being able to reach out to maybe populations that may not have known about our craft, um, we're going to start a little bit younger. So we're going to be working with middle schools in North Omaha over the summer, a collected group, and we are going to take them to areas of creative focus. So like a bigger agency, we're going to do the tech side, and then we're going to look at in-house in architecture and have these kids go visit each one of those, maybe do a project and be able to come back saying they know who AIJ is and they now have an idea of, oh, I like to draw or I like to use my phone and do videos. I can actually make a career out of that. And so that'll go June, July, August, and then we are hoping to do one last human library at the UNL campus in Lincoln 
um, in November. So we have a jam-packed, and this is just diversity and inclusion on our AIJ chapter. We have a lot of other stuff going on on the tech side, on the design side. So we are trying to really bring in really an overarching element of not only community, but excellence in craft, which is also a part of what AIJ is all about. And I'm really excited to be back on the board after 14 years of not. Um, and, and to be able to start this whole process. You're making Carlos thinks he joined the board. He's never getting off of it. That's, yeah, what, never. That's what happens. I tell everyone, Carlos, the seven years go by fast. Because that's, that's what I spent on mine. So. <laughs> But it's really exciting. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, Kathy, Carlos, thank you very much. Cody, thanks again for joining us. We'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks. All thanks right. Thanks, Donovan. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab. Find out more at myspace.com slash dustlab. Thank you.